Yo, 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 what is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the One Up Sales Development Podcast. For this episode, it's a real true special treat of a good friend of mine. His name is Nate Brenscom. Nate Brenscom is the strategic AE over at Chili Piper. Chili Piper is a great company startup, tech startup. They specialize in helping companies improve their clients' buying process when making a business request so that they may achieve important business results platform known as the buyer's enablement platform nate i had a great time with you i know we uh recorded an episode previously but due to the fact that some things came up and i happened to lose that episode uh truly blessed and happy for you to give me another shot to give us another shout and uh making this fun man (laughs) you're my man and um you know we're both millennials and for those who grew up as a 90 kids like how we are you're gonna get a kick out of this nate started out his sales career in junior high that's right Junior high, guy was downloading illegal music on LimeWire and slanging it to his buddies for $5 a pop. <laughs> That's my man. Nate Branscombe, shout out to you, my man. I love you, brother. Can't wait to meet and uh, hang out with you in the near future. Uh, stay connected. And for those who's all listening, enjoy this episode. All right. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome back to the One Up Sales Development Podcast. Today, I have a special treat for you. Um, this individual, I we actually ran an episode not too long ago, but, you know, unfortunately, uh, given that I'm fairly new to myself, I, we, due to technical difficulties, I actually ended up losing the episode, and uh, that's totally my bad, so I apologize for that. But truly happy, grateful, and honored to, and blessed that he's actually willing to give another shot. Uh, please give me a warm welcome to Mr. Nate Branscombe, a strategic account executive at Chili Piper. Nate, welcome to the One of Self Development Podcast, man. How are you doing? Good. How are you, man? Appreciate it. Yeah, doing very well. Nate, man, I, I know we, uh, we've we been in touch for quite some time. You know, I just want to say uh, thanks for always being truly helpful. I remember when we first connected a while back through... Through LinkedIn from uh, Scott Income Sales Success Story, you are always like straightforward, upfront, and very helpful, and uh, I'm, I'm really thankful for that. You know, and Chili Piper is truly, truly uh, lucky to have you, uh, based on the type of personality person that you are. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, on the real. So, so Nate, for for those who who doesn't know who you are, um, why don't you give us just a brief introduction of you know what what you do and um, yeah, just give a brief intro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so yeah, I live in um, so I live in Denver right now. Um, from kind of the DC area, um, so I grew up outside, you know, Northern Virginia. Um, I love it out in Denver, big snow border. Um, so I live out here with my fiance, and I got two dogs. Um, work a ton, um, but also like to offset it with a lot of time off. So I like to take a lot of vacations and stuff like that. Um, and right now, I am an AE, strategic AE, I guess, at um, Chili Piper. So we're essentially um, a B2B scheduling platform, so really just making it easier for prospects and customers to interact and schedule meetings with the team. So uh, we're kind of like a, a, Calendly, a B2B Calendly on crack, I guess. Oh, nice. Okay, so it's pretty much, uh, from my understanding, based on what you just said, it's bridging the gap, right, that time frame, um, you know, we don't have to wait, it just goes straight directly and just uh, connecting that gap so that they can go ahead and just uh, schedule something immediately? Is that, is, that, is that what it is? Yeah, just reducing the friction of, of booking uh, B2B meetings. So like a, a popular use case for us um, is we'll actually integrate into inbound web forms. 
So it's when people fill out a request to demo or a contact form, um, normally it says, you know, thanks, we'll be in touch. Um, so at Chili Barber, we can integrate in the form. As soon as they submit, we can route to the correct rep and they can either book a meeting or speak to someone um, immediately. So it's really big for, like, especially competitive industries where people will go to, like, five different websites and fill out, you know, five demo forms. Um, so if you have Chili Fiber, we can connect, you know, that prospect immediately before they even leave the website, um, which is obviously, like, a you know, pretty good buyer experience and a good first impression. Ah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, can, I definitely completely understand where you're coming from. Um, when I first started as SDR2 over at my previous company, and I completely understand where you're coming from. Everything is just mix, mix and matching together and just like connecting the dots because I remember when we would get like inbound leads and uh, where I would have to take care of it, they had this rule where they want us to reach out within five minutes within the inbound leads, but sometimes yeah. they're away from the desk or if it's a weekend or things like that, even though I uh, worked on weekends. And you know, sometimes it, it just gets lost in the, get lost in the pipe and never gets reached out to and yeah. <laughs> So, hey, quick quick question on that, just out of curiosity too. So, uh, even though you guys streamlined the uh, effect from that too, um, whatever ha- whatever happened to the point where someone would try like book appointment, but it's like doesn't really go anywhere. Would that take toll on like a downfall too, or? Uh, so you mean like unqualified people coming in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so we can um, we can actually gate off prospects depending on, you know, what would make sense for that specific business. So um, some teams will actually choose to only allow, like, named accounts to schedule um, where other teams are going to want, you know, everyone that comes inbound. So we kind of take that into account whether, you know, certain people should get different buyer experiences than others, essentially. Ah, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So just uh, creating that extra layer just to make sure that it gets uh, put out in the, the right direction, right? Exactly. Nice, nice, nice. So let's dive a little bit deeper. I know um, based on our previous recording that uh, got lost in cyberspace, I'm just going to say. <laughs> so let's, and I think this is a good one too. Like let's, let's dive deep back, deep back, uh, dive deep back into like way in the beginning, like how'd you get started? And, you know, I remember you talking about is that LimeWire days, and for for those who's currently listening listening right now, if you're a millennial and you know you're familiar with Napster and LimeWire, you're gonna get a kick out of this. For those who doesn't know, you're fairly new, so um, keep going. <laughs> but Nate, I love that story about you, man. Why are you going kick it off, bro? Yeah, um, yeah. So I mean, I I've just always done sales. Or I guess been good at it since an early age. So um, even in you know, like elementary school, we used to buy like pixie sticks and packs and like sell them out individually. Um, but then like the middle school days, yeah, when LimeWire and Kazaa came out, um, we would burn CDs essentially. So people would come in with like a list of songs they wanted on a CD um, and no one had, you know, LimeWire yet. So we would just collect the track lists and then take them home and burn CDs and like, you know, sell them for five or ten bucks or whatever. Um, and then, you know, I used to sell a lot of like resell stuff on Craigslist or like buying PS3s and Xboxes and, you know, reselling those. Um, and it even got to the point where I was like leaving, you know, I was a teenager, obviously, but I was leaving some crappy jobs essentially because I, you know, I could make more money just kind of doing my own thing. Um, so I leave like these restaurant host jobs or just, you know, kind of not to show up for shifts, which is bad. Um, but just because I another way to make money that was, you know, more time efficient and that I like doing. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of how I grew up into it. But then when I went to college, actually, um, I enjoyed college a little bit too much, first of all. But then I decided to go into healthcare. Um, 
so I actually ended up doing an EMP or EMT program part-time. Um, and then when I got out, I actually worked, you know, when I graduated, I worked in a doctor's office for a while, um, maybe like six to eight months or something. And I kind of had a reality check and was like, this is not for me. Uh, I didn't put myself in a position to, you know, succeed in this industry earlier. And now it's going to take so much time to make up. Um, cause even if you're super good in healthcare, I mean, you still have a long road ahead of school and all that. Um, so I kind of took a step back and thought about, you know, one, what was I good at? And, you know, with sales, it's also conveniently the one thing that you need really no resume to get into. Yeah. Um, so I started with a couple like kind of shitty sales or door to door sales jobs, like literally selling office supplies, which was miserable. Uh, but once I got into like startup SaaS, that's where I knew, you know, I knew that's where I wanted to be at. Nice, nice. Yeah, that's that's awesome. It's just so just to piggyback on that a little bit, uh, you mentioned that you start out as uh, you you were an EMT. Um, how how long were you in EMT for? Was that like uh, six months, eight months or so? Uh, yeah, I think I did it over like a year and a half period, but I did it kind of part time while I was in school. So with the healthcare industry, it's all about like getting these hours. So like you're putting hours in, and then you can apply for jobs saying that you work a million hours doing something. <laughs> So, I, I would work maybe like, I don't know, one night. And sometimes I'd go in at night and then just sleep there. And then, you know, I might get woken up for a couple calls. But then, you know, I could still log hours while I'm sleeping. Uh, but, yeah, it was all about just, like, you know, putting the hours in. Um, and I was not super motivated to do that in my college career. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah for sure hey uh so just out, out, out of curiosity too um you know I'm, I'm a little familiar with that too because i have a few friends who were like you know they wanted to be like a firefighter or they want to do something else in the healthcare profession and they actually uh were emts for quite some time too to build the last hour so i guess it's pretty uh yeah pretty familiar with that process too hey um quick question i, I know this is out of the blues but during your, during your time over there, did you get, did you see anything crazy at all? Like you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it was it was super fun because um, I mean it's kind of like sales in that every day is different, but like if something's different, it's going to be way more intense than a crazy day in sales. Um, so I worked, so we were kind of a college town, so it was a lot of like either just wasted people. Um, <laughs> This town was a lot of old people, so it's like you know, I fall on and I can't get up situations, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they also had a big uh, meth problem there, so it was like the meth capital, East Coast or whatever. Ah. Uh. We were, we were, those are pretty interesting. If you come, you know, we come through like a, you know, be 11 p 11 a.m. on a Tuesday, and there's just all these meth heads at a party, and some guys passed out on the ground because he did too much of something. So yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, I mean, it's a crazy experience. We even, um, I remember when we were doing like the EMT classes, um, they literally like took us in and they have like, it's pretty, I guess, <laughs> in depth, but they had a, uh, literally like a fresh cadaver, like the dude must have passed like weeks ago. Yeah. Um, and they literally like cut the dude open and they looked like, this is his kidney, hold his kidney so that you can like truly understand like what you're getting yourself into, but also, Holy shit. you know, if you're in a situation like that and they're, you know... <laughs> You're gonna have to deal with that. So it, it was a pretty eye-opening experience, but it was super like interesting and you know crazy and everything's different each day. So um, yeah. But again, a career full of that you know I did it for a year and a half, so a career full of that might take until lunch. <clears throat> okay. So to scale, so. 
Okay, okay. Hey, hey, Nate. So I, I I'd imagine, um, you know, because you did it for about a year and a half, and things like that. That you know, when you go through life, because I see a lot of where millennials what come out where they're really young and then they want to break into tack and sass and not 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 like pounding on them or like talking crap or throwing them against the wall. But some of them are, I would say I would say need, needs to like mature up a little bit more. Uh, just you know, rather just hear them on the phone, just saying um, unnecessary things sometimes. Would you say that t- your your experience over there as an EMT and seeing those things would actually help and mature and evolve you too, as uh, that helped you a- adapt and adjust accordingly to where you're at today too? Yeah, I mean, I think every experience obviously shapes you know who you're going to be. But yeah, with the specifically with being an EMT, I mean, that gives you a different perspective, like you know, on life, obviously. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think every every situation is going to shape you, and even if it's a shitty or you know horrible situation, you know how you come out of that and what you take out of that and how that changes you as a person is usually going to be a positive. Yeah. Or yeah, at least you should try to make it a positive thing. Uh, I guess you could turn it around. But. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's that's great, man. Glad to hear that you actually uh, uh, did that and uh, contributed back to you know just helping out to whatever it is that that happens in that case. Um, so when, when you get like, like a call for like the college kids that's like drunk and stuff, do you just come? Do you just walk over with a bottle of electrolytes? <laughs> so we have like a liability thing so for us we're always trying to get you to come because like if we leave and something happens and we get screwed yeah um, so it's usually someone hammers like you're trying to convince them to come but you know they're just hammered they're gonna get id and <laughs> sober up so um, <laughs> for sure for sure Hey, 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 Nate. Let's uh, let's let's, <clears throat> let's take it to the next step. You mentioned your first uh, BDB sales job, selling like um, office supplies and things like that. What, was was that DC Consulting? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, and is is that was that like your first like uh, your BDB door to door? Did you do like cold calls and things like that too as well, or? Uh, so this was all door to door. So basically, how it worked is we got outsourced by Verizon and Staples Wholesale. Yeah. So pretty much what we were doing is literally. They didn't want to create. They didn't want to have their own sales team to do it, so they basically outsourced us to go knock on these businesses' doors, um, and either try to get them to like change their contract with Verizon or a competitor, um, or sell them like literally pallets of paper or a printer or something like that. Um, so that it was a fun experience. It was a hundred percent commission. So literally, you know, selling office paper, and this is just when Amazon was getting big. So oh, nice. Um, it was like right on the border, so like only the, you know, all the only the really innovative people were using Amazon. But I could tell they're about to like totally <laughs> shit on our whole business plan here. So. <laughs> yeah, um, but no, it was bad. I mean, I, I my good weeks were literally I would make like three hundred, four hundred a, a week because I could not sell a thing. So. Damn, yeah, man. I, I, you know, that's, that's funny that you brought it up. Where uh, you said it's hundred percent commission, so it was like a ten ninety nine. Is that is that what it is? I don't think it was, I think we were, yeah, I don't even remember. I don't think we were technically a 1099, but, I mean, if I didn't sell anything, I didn't make shit. Damn. You know, fresh out of college. Dude, dude, that's crazy. Yeah, that, that no, that, that that's crazy. It reminds me because uh, my my first actual job was uh, sales job was um, selling this 1099, uh, no credit check fi- finance devising is like cold calling door to door to to like a furniture sales uh, stores, and it's for it's like a device to to finance their customers as long as they have a social security. But I I didn't figure out till later that you know it's actually a loan shark that six seven months that comes up if you don't pay on time. 
interest spikes like 300% and shit like that. So I, I didn't rent up selling anything as well, but man, I, I, can, I can definitely relate to you. <laughs> That's crazy. It's good though, because if you do that, I mean, you get denied and, you know, you get some reactivity. So if you're getting that to the face for three months, um, as soon as I got into like calling and web calls, I was like, I can take anything now. So yeah. <laughs> it, was bit, uh, it was like demeaning for a little bit, but uh, it made things easier after. Yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, Nate. Just want to um, dive a little bit deeper on that. Uh, just out of curiosity, did you ha- did you have any experience where like you would just come in and they would just like shut you down or just tell you curse you out or just tell you get the hell out of here? Uh, every day, man. <laughs> <laughs> I have days where I'm like, I'd be like, man, fuck this, and I drive home. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna cry in my I'm gonna cry in my closet. <laughs> Pretty much. Well, because we meet in the morning, and of course we had to meet at like 6 a.m. wearing a full suit, even though we can't even afford the damn suit that we're wearing. Yeah. Uh, so we show up super early, and then we pretty much just go out for the day. Yeah. And then we come back and meet. So I would just go home and be like, I need to figure out my life here. <laughs> and one, one day I literally went home, and I never came. I was like, look, man, I can't do this anymore. Um, I need to find something that's um, a little more reasonable. But again, I didn't have any experience, so that was kind of my first taste of it. I thought that was going to be a good experience because they pitch you like, you know, you'll, if you sell this much, you can start your own branch or whatever it is. And it's like, I mean, I'm selling office papers, so which probably. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For sure. Hey, so, Nate, um, just looking on your LinkedIn right here, uh, you know, when was it that you really first bro- broke into, like, the, the tech field for you? Uh, I see that you're at Kerashoff, whatever, and then Shopkeep, and then there's also Exactly Corp. Was it Shopkeep that was your first taste of, like, a tech tech or something, or, or was it? Yeah, I mean, so Kerasoft was a, is a tech company, but they're more of, like, a government software reseller. So basically, like, for example, I worked with Adobe, so when Adobe wanted to sell anything to the government, they had to go through uh, Kerasoft because they owned, I guess, the, uh, the government contracts for that. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't say that was, I mean, my first real taste of SaaS um, was with Shopkey. Um, and then we actually were kind of a startup within Shopkeep. So yeah. we were kind of like a very small, I guess, newer group because they just acquired a product and they wanted to kind of test it in the market. So um, that product ended up failing, but we did pretty well at selling it. But then, yeah, there wasn't a place in the market. So I think they just absorbed it to, uh, to Shopkeep. Nice. Nice. Sounds good. And then just moving up to ExactCorp too, I saw that, uh, you know, you started out as uh, in sales development too. Is that, Was that where you're your true SaaS came in where you're just straight outbound, you're just pounding the calls, just hammering it in, qualifying the leads? Yeah, it was shocking we were selling to uh, restaurant owners, so it's kind of like a whole different world, um, whereas exactly we're selling to like CFOs and finance and sales ops and that type of thing, so yeah, um, that's kind of what, because I was an AE at Shopkeep, and then when I approached exactly, they were like, you know, maybe you should start as an SPR because you don't really know this industry yet. Um, so that's kind of what I, yeah, I think that's kind of when I, I really started, and that's where I really learned to do like the outbound prospecting and what I needed to do to, you know, essentially get to the eight position. So. Cool. Yeah, right on. Hey, um, so I, I have to ask you, and uh, there's a lot of individuals that probably see a lot of value in this too, uh, like during uh, technology sales, uh, but it's not, not specifically like super SaaS or so, like from exactly, and then they come in as an AE and then they go, you know, I want to be straight AE, and they're like, nah, man, you got, you got to start from the bottom. And yeah. how, how did that make you feel, and how did you, um, what was your strategy towards that, and was it like a double-down hammer where you see it as like a one step back and two step forward? 
Yeah, so I mean, at the time, I was pissed because, I mean, when you're young, too, you, okay. you're, like, you're like, I'm entitled to, I deserve this 80 roll because I was an 80 before. Yeah. Uh, but I'm glad it happened because it made me, so I mean, I was only an SDR there, I think, for like nine months before I got promoted. Yeah. But I was hitting like top SDR there, and that, you know, I wasn't doing that off the bat. Like, I learned how to do that. So yeah. I think if I went straight into an AE position without having that baseline, um, it definitely would have, you know, turned for the worse. Um, but even today, like now that I found a scalable way to do that, um, like I, I think I source like almost half or, you know, majority of my pipe today. Yeah. Um, and that's strictly due to like, you know, that background and getting used to that and, you know, kind of learning that whole process. So I'm happy it happened at the end. Um, but at the time I was definitely, um, pissed. but yeah, I mean, if it's a different, if it's a completely different industry, you're selling to different people, um, it's a more complex sales cycle. Like it, it, it's not a bad idea to take a step back. Um, you know, for the greater good, but it definitely got me further in the long run. Uh, I know that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I, I uh, truly agree with you. And like, uh, you, like you mentioned too, it uh, because you took that route, and it helped you where you at today too. In turn, when it comes to just sourcing a few of your own opportunities, because you know, I, I truly believe too, and this is on my end. Like, true AEs are always prospecting, right? Can't always just wait to like and rely on the SDRs and things like that. But sure, it would be nice. But <laughs> what are your thoughts on that, Nate? <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's like if I, if I don't hit my number, you know, the CEO doesn't give a shit about what the marketing leads were, what SDRs were attached to that. So you you want to put yourself in a position where you're fully responsible for the outcome. Um, even if you are getting, you know, good ops, what if that SDR quits tomorrow? Like, are you going to be totally screwed? So you want to keep setting yourself up, you know, for success. And this is a good time because I don't know when you'll actually put this out, but it's the end of the quarter. Yeah. Um, and there's so many times where reps are going to be like, all right, I'm cutting prospect now. i got to focus on all these deals and blah, blah, blah. And then when all those deals, you know, push or they don't, you know, you get to next month and then you're starting off behind. So um, this ah. is something you have to like really, you know, because you get, you get rewarded months down the line. You don't get re- rewarded immediately. So you're helping yourself out later um, instead of, you know, even if you focus on these deals, there's only so much you can do. So uh, you got to think about, I guess, from long term, at least from my perspective. But there's other people that will <laughs> will say they just want to feel the leads. Um, <laughs> you control the, what happens, you know, and then. If it if I don't hit my goal, I know why. Um, but you can't blame you know other other people with marketing or SDRs for that. Yeah, right. Absolutely, man. I, I agree with that. That's. That's good stuff. So, hey, Nate, um, can, can you tell us a little bit more about, you know, like, what does your day-by-day looks like as a strategic uh, AE? And congrats, by the way. Uh, it looks like you got promoted not too long ago. Um, yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah. So, uh, we, I know for a fact that Chili Piper is a 100% fully remote company. Like, how, how do you, what, what does your day-by-day look like? What's your strategy? How do you decompress? Um, how do you take a breather? And, like, when it comes to, like, uh, de- demoing, but yeah, let's just start with that. Like, what what is your when you first wake up? How, how do you prep for the day? Like for you as a strategic AE. Um. Yeah. So it depends. I usually try to do it like at the end of you know at the end of the previous day. Just kind of look through all the events that we have coming up. So just the nature of our product, people can book straight on our calendar. So you know, some days are going to be completely booked back to back, or other days you're going to have gaps, or you might have like a more open day. Um, so for me, it's it's super dynamic. Um, I don't really have a strict routine, which is something I actually prefer. I'm not, if I get into a routine, I get super bored. So I like the flexibility of it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that's essentially what I'll do is go through these calls, make sure I'm prepped and ready for the calls I have. 
and then make sure I'm following up with the existing opportunities and then making sure I have time to, uh, you know, create new ones. So that's all it is, is, you know, closing the, closing the existing ones, um, nurturing the ones that are already going on, prepping for the newer ones and then, you know, making sure you're creating pipeline as well so that you don't fall behind. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Sounds good. Hey, Nate. So w w when it comes to um, do doing demo, you you're a very experienced um, AE. What? Let's say there's like a person who just got promoted from SDR to AE that's listening to on this pod right now. What what kind of tips and tricks would you be be able to give them when it comes to like get running an effective demo? Yeah. So um, I mean, I would, I would say I'm super experienced. I've ran a lot of demos, but I don't have a lot of I guess tenure. Um, but yeah. to that point, like everything I like, I feel like I'm light years ahead of where I would be just because I had so many at bats. So basically, what I would say is just make sure you get as many as at bats as possible because then you can, you know, fail a lot. Um, so get a lot of at bats, kind of like screw up as much as you possibly can at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, kind of learn live, you know, watch your recordings, figure out what you could have changed, and then essentially focus on like one or two things and really map out like how you can improve it. And then yeah. if you just keep going like that, obviously you're going to be continuously improving. Um, and the more demos that you're doing, the better you're going to get. Um, to that point, too, it goes back to prospecting. If you prospect your own demos, you're going to get more demos, and then you can learn faster. So I think that's that's really what it was for me, um, especially with, like, because ex at exactly I had a lot less demo flow. Um, I was doing, like, a few a week, whereas when it, literally when I started at Chili Piper, I was the only AE, um, and I was literally doing, like, eight to ten a day like back to back so nice damn after, after a couple of weeks i'm like you know dreaming chili fiber you know if i can't stop thinking about it <laughs> like, like in my head um but i was really good at demoing really quick so there's no like there's no replacement for uh you know just repetition of of that bad so yeah yeah oh shit that's funny man no that's that that's good stuff like I, I agree with you, right? What what better way to learn than, than, than just picking up the ball and just kicking it off, like just ro rolling it out and just uh, do, doing it. You know, that's the best way to learn. And then if you fail or you fall, then you will definitely learn from your mistakes. But if you're doing it to the point where you would, um, you know, dream about it, <laughs> that means uh, that that means you you you, uh, you done it. You know, you you got it. You it should it should be there now. You should be professional. <laughs> you run so many yeah. demos already there. Hey hey. Oh, no. I'm, I'm lucky on strate the strategic now because now I can handle like less calls with bigger accounts. So it's, it was a short-term thing, but it was good for like ramp-up process for sure. Okay. Okay. Great. Hey, so Nate, did you mentioned um, when, when you first started, you were pretty much the only AE, and you were running like ten demos back to back. How how did you juggle between that? Like, how did you know when to take a breather and just like you know take a little break that that needed so you won't burn yourself out? Like, what was your strategy when it comes to that? Yeah, I mean, at first it was easy because I was just super motivated and I was excited and I knew this was, like, a good opportunity and I was like, I'm getting more demos in a day, you know, than I was getting, like, you know, in a month. Yeah. Um, so at first it was just, like, a lot of adrenaline. I was like, I'm going to make, you know, there's a lot of potential here. I'm really excited. I'm the only AE. There's no, you know, anything that comes in is going to kind of go through me. <laughs> yeah. I think that alone, like, drove me a lot. I mean, I was working a lot of hours, like, nights, no problems, weekends, no problems, not because I, like, wanted to but I saw basically saw like dollar signs uh, and then yeah after I mean after a while but it, it, it definitely burns you out um, but for me I still I still try to do that a lot where I'll, I'll work a lot in like bursts because that's how I do well but yeah. then I take 
I mean, I do take a lot of vacations. Like I usually take a vacation at least once a month, um, go somewhere for a few days and take off. Yeah. Um, so for me, it's like, I'm really good at going full force and then disappearing for a few days. Um, whereas I think other people need, need more breaks, but shorter breaks where I need like a full <laughs> get out of here and like turn off type thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's something I definitely had to learn cause I didn't have, that was never really a problem for me before. So being able to juggle all that, um, and then, you know, also like your, your personal life and your internal relationships and all that. Um, it's something you kind of have to learn to, to adapt to, but I think it mostly comes down to your values. You figure out what's important and then you make time for, you know, the most important thing. So. Yeah. Interesting, man. That's, that, that's great. So, uh, your, your strategy, your mentality is like, okay, this is how I'm wired. This, uh, this is how I work. I just go in full force, uh, working out 110, going all out. OT if necessary and just uh, you're, and you're always delivering right and then and then um, you know when you take that little short break it's like yeah, hey where do you go <laughs> lights out yeah yeah lights out <laughs> that's great cool for me it's like a, it's like a reason to look forward to you know what I mean like, yeah like yeah I'm gonna work my ass off for two weeks because I know I'm leaving you know I gotta make up for it and then I'm gonna turn off type thing so if you kind of set it up as like a reward to yourself then it's yeah, it, it's pretty motivated. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Not, not a problem at all. So, hey, hey, Nate, just before we, we wrap this up, uh, I just want to ask you, uh, you know, just what, what what kind of advice would you would you have for SDRs today who wants to become an AE or about to rise to be, to be an AE? You know, um, let's say if they're fairly new, they want to join, and like, man, I heard Nate's episode. I want to become an AE, just like Nate. Like, what what kind of advice would you have for them? Um, so the biggest thing I would say, I literally just truly learned this. I thought I knew it, but it just kind of like was a reality check, I think, in the last month or so. Um, is to just literally like own all your results and like everything that happens. So, for example, like if you miss your number, um, usually what people are going to do, you know, the manager's going to be like, why'd you miss your number? Oh, because, you know, the lead quality or because, uh, you know, my territory's crap or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and then the manager's like, okay, this guy's BS, he's making up excuses, you know, he's not owning it, and they kind of think lesser of you. Um, so I think if you're just like, hey, yeah, I missed my number, um, I think these external reasons affected it, but what I could have done to offset that is this, um, and this is what I'm going to do, you know, next quarter, next month to make sure that this doesn't happen again. Um, yeah. And then essentially have a plan. So that way, I mean, even if you miss again, your manager's going to walk out at me like, okay, he knows that he, he didn't hit his number. He knows why and he knows how he's going to hit it next time. But even if you miss it again, I mean, yeah, they might remember it, but they're going to more so look at your approach and, like, what you're taking out of it rather than, uh, you know, I guess the facts of the matter or just, you know, the reality of it, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, accountability, right? you got to be responsible and uh, you got to be able to, uh, you know, eat it when, uh, when it's your stuff, when you have to eat it, and you know, can't be blaming other people and just not owning up to it so to speak <laughs> yeah. and even if you you know even if you're not going to hit it like if you own it then you know people are going to respect you so it's uh, it happens to me all the time I mean that, that reality check was because we were we we're doing like a pipeline review um, and they're like well what's you know what what's happening this month versus last month and I just started talking about things and none of that had to do with anything I could control um, yeah they're like they're like okay well that's you know who cares? Like that's that's not like an excuse type thing. So yeah. <laughs> uh, and I'm like, okay, well maybe I need to make up for it by doing my own activity elsewhere. That way, if there is a slower month, 
you know, I'm already prepared for that. And if it's not a slower month, then I'll have a, you know, a much better month. So if you kind of take that approach, and I think it's just a mental mindset, you kind of got to get yourself into it. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt about that. That's great stuff, man. So, Nate, just got one last final question for you here. Um, so, again, thanks for joining. We are truly blessed to have you to come on again and uh, hitting up the pod with the 1UP Self Development Podcast. Let's say there's like a brand new college student that's um, listening on to this podcast right now and then they want to join and, uh, you know, start off as an SDR. What, what, what would you challenge them to 1UP their game? Um. So I'd say the, the biggest thing is just um, showing personality. So I think a lot of new SDRs that are starting, um, they have this vision that you need to be like super professional and if you show personality, you know, that's kind of like a bad thing. Um, you want to like answer by the book and that type of thing. Yeah. Uh, but I think the, the fact of it is, is like, I mean, once you once you get that first job, like your product, your company, uh, the value props you're pitching, like all that's a um, You can change like how you say it, obviously. Yeah. So having that personality is like literally the biggest differentiator for, you know, like a B2B sales, you know, process. So I don't think you should shy up because you're worried about being professional or maybe you're talking to a CEO or a hiring manager and you want to be like, oh, I need to be, you know, super uh, composed. Yeah. Refrain from the joke because, you know, you're in an interview and it's a very serious environment. Um, so I think if you kind of kiss that goodbye, just embrace your personality and fine a company or a team or a customer that's going to like really like you and build off you um, yeah. you know I think that's the biggest piece and that's how you can differentiate yourself from a lot of other people that are going to give those same answers by the book that <laughs> damn yep. <laughs> there it is and just humanizing right bringing some life in there it's not just sitting there going I am a robot <laughs> I was like, hey, man, it's me, it's me, Nate Renskill from Chili Piper. I got you. <laughs> You're perfect at this, man. You were made to be a radio host. Oh. <laughs> you were not on a podcast. You are like, hey, it's Nate. That's your voice going on. I'm like, are we recording? Oh, yeah, that's funny. Nate, um, if, if anyone want to reach out, listening to us, they want to reach out to you just to connect with you and uh, learn or get some tips and advice for you. What's the best way for them to reach out to you? Uh, yeah, just hit me up on LinkedIn. My name is Nate Branscombe, um, or you can email me, you know, Nate at ChiliPiper.com. Um, we are also recruiting, so if you're remote, you're looking for remote SDR, AE, marketing, whatever role you can think of, um, you can hit me up as well, and I can put you in touch with the right people. Nice, nice. There you have it, guys, and uh, you hear it on this episode here, so... There's that little sponsorship right there. <laughs> a little advertisement. You're right here. You're right here. All right, everybody. Thank you so much again for tuning in to One Up Self Development Podcast. Again, this is uh, Jackson, your host, with Nate Renscombe, Strategic Account Executive at Chili Piper.